Okay, look. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah, listen, this is, this, we should be very reverent because this is, after all, the hundredth fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Well, hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, Scott. <laughs> I mean, now I've heard about three or four of those come out of you tonight, and it blows my mind, to be honest with you. Because um, you're. Steve Ward is in the studio tonight. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Uh, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. And uh, you don't curse. <laughs> You're pretty clean cut. And we've heard a couple fly out of you tonight, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, what's going on here? We only gave him like a half a glass of beer, didn't we, Tim? <laughs> it was like, f- if even three ounces. It was a rocks glass. Yeah. So it wasn't even a real beer glass. It was but barely anything. Everybody here has been kind of foul, you know. So it's that peer pressure. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Keep up with the Joneses here. All the cool kids are no, doing it, right. Steve. No, I right. had I had coffee with my dinner. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, Marnie kept it classy. So, so yeah, we're yeah. doing the 100th episode of ghostly talk since we've come back yeah and and we I, have steve ward here yes yeah, steve ward's here we have tim woolworth hi tim we welcome have cheers miss marnie 100th show since we came back we started doing the thing the, this this thing this show back in 2016 again yeah and i know dude that phone is gonna have to piss off I'm sorry out of i'll turn it down really it's, i'm waiting to hear from todd okay just turn it down if you have to look at it, it's okay. fine, but right. I'm allowing it to be here for okay. a short time, and then right. it's got to go. Sorry, well, that, Papa. That phone was pissing me off, too. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's cranky tonight. <laughs> he wants his cake. He's got some fangs on angry. We should have had so, cake first. We should have had cake. We already had dinner. Cake. We had this, uh, cake. We didn't get dessert. We didn't have cake. I didn't get to have those donuts. Oh, my God. Wait, we had donuts? So the place we uh, yeah. just ate right, at yeah. has All these right. amazing little deep fried donuts that uh, come out warm and fluffy and coated with cinnamon and sugar with real caramel to dip Amber, into and stop, chocolate sauce. Stop, stop. I'm they, sorry. They melt and as soon as they I would have never down. have ordered them, but we, Terrible Scott and I cool. were sitting at the bar yeah, one night. Yeah, we were night. sitting at the bar at the restaurant and the girl just gave us a couple. Like she's, well, they, were, they have the station well, they have where the, they make yeah. them there. The machine's and right there so you can just sit there and salivate on a bar. So right. she saw us drooling and then she just kind of puts a couple in a dish and pushes them towards us and we're like what 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 for us okay boom boom oh give us a basket of those yeah they are like the best tasting we really haven't looked back since then uh, uh, yeah they were but we didn't get those tonight sorry marty yeah i mean uh, but we, we have cake we have cake we have cake we can get them for uh breakfast tomorrow so, oh, okay they do brunch yeah we were i was talking about doing brunch tomorrow at the same place if you guys want to go Yes. Yeah, they do brunch. For later discussion. So we have like endless stuff we can talk about because we have... Well, we got a lot to celebrate tonight. Two monster minds in the room. Yeah, we got a lot to celebrate tonight. Filled with lots of information. Uh, As we said, this is our 100th show uh, since we came back since 2016. I I thought it was kind of cool. We kind of took the first year or two kind of slow. And this last year, I that was like October of 2018 when I said, okay, let's... 
start doing this thing on a more regular basis and we upgraded all the equipment and we've kind of been going full bore since then and it got us to 100 shows so i'm really happy about that so i'm excited i mean we've done a lot before in the past but this is kind of a new thing and i'm really happy we're here and it's marty's birthday i think we, did we well it was last week but birthday yeah, continues it goes throughout the month that's why we have cake right yeah and so, tim brought tons of beer oh my god dude growlers of beer that he like brewed because yeah, he's a wizard. Can we, can we chat about that very briefly for a second? Like what? Sure. Like your your gig. Like where, like where you? If you, I don't know what information you can give out, but where you work, who you work for, as far as brewing. Yeah, because that's what you do for. That's what you do professionally. Yeah, I'm a professional work. brewer. I yeah. brew on the uh, Ann Arbor area um, for a little brew house called Ipsy Ale House, and uh, yeah, it's what I do for a living. I love beer, and I love to be able to share it with my paranormal homies. Yeah, and so you rolled up. When when you came, oh, I was outside when you came when you pulled up, and the first thing I saw was a growler on your sidearm. I'm like, because oh. <laughs> I came into this thing like earlier today. I'm like, okay, look, man, you're gonna chill tonight. You maybe have a drink or two and just do the show and and be cool and no goofiness, no shenanigans. You know, just just be cool. And then yeah, you roll up with like four growlers of beer, and, and I'm like, oh, dude, out the door we go because this Scottish Scottish ale. That I'm that I'm sipping on right now uh, is just divine. It's we've been chatting about this since before the show, and this is really good stuff. And you guys brewed this. I brewed it. Yeah, you brewed it. Mm -hmm. You brewed it with your beautiful, with the finest, <laughs> with the finest woods. Dude, the beard is here for a reason. If you're going to brew, you need to have the beard. So I have I've grown this All in the, the brew house well you know the sellerman's guys who are you know unfortunately defunct they're, yeah they're defunct now they're they're just down the road they were just down the road from us and they all had massive beards they, they had their nice they had their setup going it was, I mean, it was a beautiful operation they had unfortunately they couldn't keep doing it i think one of the guys the, the head brewer is working for griffin claw now yes yeah uh, doing their cider program yeah he's doing this he's doing the cider. he was well they really like ciders there yeah they're really in the ciders uh but those guys all had fucking beards Big beards down to their chest. They were they manly men. So is that that's a that's a tool of the trade, I guess. It is. All right, cool, excellent stuff. Though I, I think those were the guys that had uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Necrono Necrono Mango Con. What? What? You know, you know, they feel Lovecraft. The Necrono Mycon. Uh, the book, the fictional book that are, is sort of the oh. background of his stories. Oh, okay. Oh, they, okay. They brewed right. Yeah. Ne mm -hmm. Necrono Mango Con. Okay. And a okay. friend of mine got some of that for me. It wasn't okay. too bad. Really? I get okay. So he okay. was saying Necronomicon, ne but they called it. I was okay. murdering the word, but that's what I tried to say. I that's was like, beard. what? What is Steve talking a beard. about? A beard. It's a beard. <laughs> I've only had. Oh my god! Just like, stop. <laughs> stop. I've gotten yeah. through all these other shows. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm good now. I'm good. I'm good. That's okay, Scott. Don't we have you on tape? We can just, you know, put you on tape and we can just intermittently speak. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a very good point. That's why we had some Doug drops for a while. We did. We were goofing around. It was like a Doug giggle. Board. Well, we had the laugh and then we had... Um, I know, I, there was something else. Was something we really good. should incorporate those more often, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. When's Todd going to get here, by the way? Uh, I don't know when Todd's going to get here. Todd's going to get here when he gets okay, here. Okay, fine. So I'm not going to worry about that. Okay. So, guys, thank you again for coming out here and hanging around with us. Um, I guess I'm going to, I mean, as far as like chatting with, I mean, Steve, it's, what's up, dude? You just came back from the Mothman Festival. 
Uh, yeah, we had the uh, had the. It was kind of a busy month. They had the Mothman Festival, uh, followed by the Van Meter Visitor Festival, and it had something else that month, but I can't remember what the heck it was. And then, uh, oh, it was uh, early September was uh, uh, the uh, Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire to commemorate the. There was that incredible UFO flap in the middle '60s, and it was even. I remember I first read about it in Reader's Digest of all things. They took John Fuller's book. Now Fuller wasn't he the one that wrote the uh, Ghost of. Uh, Whatever number of megacycles, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, goes oh, to 29 mega, okay. megacycles. But yeah. he also wrote, yeah, of course, yeah. the Betty and Barney Hill book and the uh, the incident at Exeter. And so uh, that was a, a pretty busy month. But yeah, the, the Mothman Festival, and of course, uh, you and, and Doug used to uh, emcee that back yeah, in the back old days. Many, many years ago, we did up until about 2009, 2008. I'd have to look. Something like that, yeah. I love the Mothman Festival. It was probably one of the... No, it was the first, like, what I would consider, like, I guess, weirdo gathering, you know, paranormal gathering that we, as like a as a, as a conglomerate called Ghostly Talk, went to. And that would have been, like, 2002, something like that. We went there many, many years ago. And we were, we were in love as soon as we came there. I remember we just... And that was just a curiosity we had. We're like, well, there's this festival... For the Mothman, they have where they say it originally, you know, where it happened at. Let's go check it out. And we became, we were just in love when we came there. And we, every year we went for many years. It was super cool. So, well, I, I remember I some that. of the original, uh, you would uh, set up your, uh, your Ghostly Talk gig and you would interview people. You interviewed uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Oh, yeah. You interviewed a man in black, as I recall. And I think you even interviewed Moth Girl. As I recall, oh God, I, I remember her. Miss was it Miss Moth Girl? Yeah, something Some, like that. I remember her. She what was I, like the, it was like the, they had like a beauty pageant. No, 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 no. It, she no, was no. actually in like a leotard. Yeah, yeah. That there was a Miss oh, yeah, Mothman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was there a Miss Mothman? We interviewed her too. Yeah. yeah, she was in a size one leotard. She was a uh, little yeah, just, yeah. Yes. just a baby. <laughs> but she was super cool. <laughs> she was cool. She was a cool kid. Uh, and the, the, yeah, there was Moth. I'm sure if I saw a picture of it, I know what you're talking about, but I think we, there was like, yeah, Moth Woman or Moth I, Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Miss, Miss Mothman Pageant. I in do fact, remember that now. We, we do the uh, the TNT Hayride. Yeah, now, the yeah. TNT area is the area where the Mothman was first seen back in, or one of the times it was first seen back in 66, uh, yeah. November of 66. And that's where we, uh, uh, they, they have sort, sort of like a haunted hayride tour. And there's three of us. Well, one is me that gives a tour. Mm-hmm. The other is Jeff Wamsley, who's been doing it since the beginning. Now, Wamsley's a man. And the other young lady is uh, 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 Brittany, uh, Brittany Sayre, and she was a former Miss Mothman. So she has all the credentials. <laughs> and uh, she she gives, I know she gives a great ride because every time that she finishes up that, that my ride's about the same time, everybody claps for her. So I tell the people that I'm with, hey, look, look, if we show up <laughs> with Brittany, you got to clap for me so we, we don't want her upstaging me. <laughs> <laughs> now, we haven't so, been there in and I mean, now it's the better part of it. It's a decade. I know we haven't been down there. I got to ask you, Steve, concerning that. What has? I mean, what? I, I I can only imagine that thing has grown in leaps and bounds. A decade can do a lot for something like that. And I know Jeff Jeff Wamsley, who's a fantastic person. I love that guy so much. I he's always been a he's worked his ass off on that thing. I don't know any other way to say it. he's been working his ass off on that thing for many many years now. Uh, 
what are what recent additions do they have on that now? Because I really want to go next year. I want to know what's going on again. Well, a few years ago, they moved the uh, Mothman Museum across the street to a bigger building, and they've even are expanding it. It's it's very very well done. They just have uh, they cover all the call it history, call it folklore of the Mothman. Uh, they even have props from the Mothman Prophecies movie. Uh, the the merchandise is high quality, so it's very well done, and uh, it has grown. It's something like ten or twelve thousand people show up there now every year and they what they've also they've done is they uh, a few years ago it was so crowded it was like you know what's happened to our mothman festival but they they got the idea to extend the uh you know the things like the food and and some of the uh, what i would call the extraneous stuff uh, uh you know uh, rides for the kids or whatever and they, they moved it much further down the street to give it more room okay and as you recall you know where the mothman statue is there's that that uh, uh road that runs uh across the main drag that's yeah. still where the the main tables are and the main speakers set up and so forth for, yeah. for their tables but uh so yeah it's uh it, it's phenomenal the way yeah, it's grown. it's the years we were going we were watching it every year just grow just something new every year something different you know and i know jeff would kind of <laughs> he would what do you what do you I was just was like okay I, I don't know i don't know what i did with it but i i about a year ago <laughs> i found a piece of paper in an old, uh, I don't know, something from when we were traveling. And it was uh, Mothman Bingo. Oh, I remember Mothman and Bingo. And our friend Tanya set up Mothman Bingo. But really, it was like, find the mullet in the crowd. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. It was all these sort of like obtuse, somewhat horrible things to look for in a conglomerate of people of, well, that, that would go, come then, to the okay, Mothman okay, Festival. Let's be very clear here so we don't get sued by anybody. It. We're not going to get sued. What, by the guy with you, the mullet? You could have any weirdo mullet in any... Exactly. Not know. just the Mothman. This isn't inclusive to the Mothman Festival. But it was funny that she brought that with and, and you were able to cross almost everything off. Who brought that? Tanya. Oh, Tanya brought that? Yeah. Oh, it's a snake in the grass. Yeah. I, 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 I should that. find that one. I should probably find it at some point. I, I missed I missed I that one. I read it. <laughs> Mothman bingo. <laughs> no, it's a fun festival. Because, uh, I mean, it's... It, I, I was going to say, I like when small towns like that that don't have much going on for it can embrace their weirdness and not just lock it away. Because now with the other festival you go to, not the... The, the other monster. What the, was the, the Van other Meter Visitor. So what is the difference between those two monsters? Well, the Van Meter Visitor was something that was seen over a week. They call it the Week of Terror. And the, the book, it's a great book called The Van Meter Visitor, written by Chad Lewis, Kevin Nelson, and Noah Voss. Uh, usually, uh, actually, all three of those guys were there last year. And they have it the last weekend in September every year because that's when it originally happened. And they saw something that looked a little bit more like a... Uh, sort of a pterodactyl kind of a thing, but it had some very strange properties. It had a horn on its beak, if you want to call it that, but also there was it gave off some kind of a light or something there. Very strange. And in one of the encounters, uh, pers- some person had missing time. He uh, thought it, it, it there was some kind of a vapor or something involved, and uh, uh, so he, he either went to sleep or, or lost time or something like that. Uh, the thing I asked, one of the first questions I asked uh, Chad Lewis and Kevin Nelson a couple of years ago, I said, was this, do you think this was a, a hoax? Just, uh, you know, a, a hoax done over a period of a week. And he, they said, well, 
The problem is that there were several very prominent people, like the banker, for example. He even shut out the window of his bank when he thought he saw this thing. Well, when he, he was guarding it one night because they were getting these reports, and they thought, well, it's possible, but why would professional people, why would, why would somebody still expect you to make deposits in his bank if he created some silly hoax about some kind of a winged creature? Right. And there were there were several sightings. That the last sightings were there's old abandoned mines there, and, and, and it's really great because Chad takes you on a walking tour of the Week of Terror, and he wears one of these little uh, speaker things on his belt, and he shows you, he tells you what the buildings used to be and and what they used to house, and we we go into the building that was the old bank, and eventually we walk out to the area where the mines were, and he paints a picture of all this stuff that happened. It's a great little festival, uh, uh, Kevin. Nelson is the guy that uh, chooses the speakers. I have been privileged to speak there the last two years, and they've asked me to speak there this year again. It's sort of like a uh, sort of like a baby Mothman festival. Okay, you know? yeah, sounds and like it. What year was that monster seen? 1903. Oh, whoa, that's it's an old one. It's a great book, and I want to say the same guys have recently published a book called The Big Muddy Monster, which deals with several Bigfoot-like creatures in southern Illinois in the area they call Little Egypt. Very interesting whoa. area. What 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 year were those sightings from? Uh, all all around uh, 50, okay. 60, 70s. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like around nineteen oh three or something. Well, no, that's, I, I that's think there were some old. older ones. Now I went to uh, uh, I went to the you've heard of the Beast of Bray Road, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Well, last spring I decided that I was going to walk at least part of the Bray Road. Now that's near. Uh, Elkhorn, right, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. And, of course, Linda Godfrey. Oh, by the way, Linda Godfrey was at the last Van Meter Visitor oh, Festival. Oh, that's great. Great, great lady. And uh, I, ha I wore my shirt that I had made up called, that said, I braved Bray Road. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I did. Now, my, I still had my winter legs, so to speak. I hadn't been doing the, uh, the Bowflex all winter. <laughs> so I only walked in about, you have to actually park your car about a half mile away on Bray Road. I, I know I'm going off on a segue here, but it's a very cool area. And a lot of credible people have seen, the, 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 of course, the, we're talking about the dog band, these upright canids yeah. that, mm -hmm. that people are seeing. And very credible reports, too. And, and also, some of them are... Uh, surrounded by things like poltergeist phenomena very strange but uh it's a it's a very sort of nondescript road i walked in about a, a mile and a half and walked of course you got to walk back so after those three miles my my legs felt a little funky so <laughs> this this winter if i'm going to do any uh <laughs> spring excursions i think i better uh, get on that bowflex and uh or, or, at least, <laughs> or at least take a couple walks around the neighborhood you know but uh so and, and that's all part of southern wisconsin uh, very, the whole area is very, very interesting. You know, it's funny. You mentioned something a minute ago that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and that's we hear this a lot when it comes to people talking about. What, I don't care what kind of, you know, whether it's a, you know, a sighting. Somebody has an experience with a with a ghost or or UFOs or whatever it might be. There's always this idea of credibility that comes into play when it comes to these things, and you know, I've always found it kind of. You know, I mean, and. I mean, I support it too, but, well, he can't be lying, he's a banker, right? Or he can't be lying, he's a police officer. And I'm not saying this, you know, sarcastically, though, either, but, I mean, people do use that that idea to back up a claim. Um, and what makes that kind of sad, though, too, is that maybe that's why we don't hear, there, I guess it's this idea that's that a lot of people aren't brave enough to come out with their stories because they're they're scared to ruin their career 
and their livelihood and lose their home because of what they may say and how the community may look at them and see, you know, how they may, you know, see how, you know, we'll look down on them, right? So I like to think that if people didn't have that pressure on them, more people would be coming out with their stories. I think a lot more people would be a lot more expressive, too, about their opinions and their ideas. Unfortunately, we live in a time where, especially now, it's most critical uh, where people may, where people are afraid to say the wrong thing, I guess, right? I think partly in the Van Meter situation, there were several people from different walks of life that were seeing this thing, which probably empowered some of them that may have otherwise just shut their mouths uh, to... Uh, to see something, yeah. to, to say something. Uh, it's very interesting because the uh, the first year I was there, Kevin Nelson and Chad Lewis both spoke on it, and they pointed out, you know, I, I'm a, as you know, I'm a, a, a student of John Keel, and I can barely choke out two or three sentences without mentioning the, <laughs> the work of John, John Keel. Keel. <laughs> so we'll get it out of the way right now. Okay. But uh, John Keel thought that some of these things may be simply a natural condition of the planet, and that some of these things may not be actually physical. They may be paraphysical. Uh, it's very interesting that this creature involved time loss and involved some kind of a strange light in the same way that sometimes some of these entity sightings that are associated with UFOs, yeah. people will see the light, they'll have the perilous, they'll have the missing time or whatever. Perhaps, perhaps, in some of these er uh, cases, we're dealing with the same thing that shows it gives off a different facade. No, yeah. I agree with that. Well, and I mean, my... That does go into just the same idea that we hear, and, and Keel was big on this too. Is you know how it all relates. I mean, I'll I'll say this till I'm six foot under. I am convinced that some weird stuff is happening. I don't know if all the stuff that's presented to me is is real, but I am convinced that there's something out there that is real, whether it's UFOs or whether it's ghosts or whatever it may be. Um, there's something out there, and I do believe there's something going on that we just don't understand, right? Um, and my thing I for all these years has just been that. And I'm going to keep saying this on this show and keep saying this on this show until people go nuts. It's how it's all related. I how, think, how does it work? I think uh, one of the things that was interesting with talking about how things are related is Tim this year at the Michigan UFO Con gave a presentation on Frank Sumption. Because if yeah. you don't know Tim Woolworth, he is the ghost box. Well, he makes beer. We know that. He makes beer. It's good beer. It's tasty beer. Very but good, um, um, I don't know how his ghost boxes would taste. Probably pretty bland. But he makes, well, not makes, but you are the ghost box extraordinaire. ITC, EVP, like the go-to guy for that. Yeah, you've been here before. Thanks and for yeah, coming. And, and, and I will, guys, I have to toot both of your horns. So when we look at the stats of the show doot, and doot. all of the shows that have been listened to, you guys, both of your shows are on our top five. <laughs> wow. Okay. High five, buddy. Tim. We, can, <laughs> we can go home now. Okay. Yep, yep. Let's get some cake on the up. All you got to do is, yeah, yep. you're uh, done. You can just go home so, now. Just put your name on it. We're good. Um, cake so first. Tim. Cake first. Tim, yeah, yeah, we got this damn cake. So, Tim, I think, gave an excellent presentation that a lot of, probably not so much the UFO crowd, but if he had given this at a paranormal conference would have been like what huh that frank sumption the creator of the original frank's box ghost box thing was actually you tell it tim developing them to talk to et yeah yeah um so yeah frank was a big et researcher and he thought that evp um as most of your listeners know 
is not only a gateway for ghosts, but also for extraterrestrial communication. And he wasn't alone in that regard. You can look back in the annals of paranormal research and EVP. Um, Jurgensen thought he got an ET. Sarah Estep got them several times. I've got copies of Raymond Cass's EVPs that he claims are from another world. So he was by far not the first researcher who thought that ITC could lead to EVP. Who was who was Jurgensen? Jurgensen's the guy who created the methodology for recording EVP we have today. Um, brief history, it started in 1959. He was a real renaissance man. He was uh, living in Sweden at the time. He spoke seven different languages. He had painted the portraits of two popes. He was an opera singer, and he was a filmmaker. He was making a film and was trying to record some bird songs. So he went to yeah, his, he went yeah. to his cabin up in Sweden and stuck his microphone out the window to record bird songs. And after a short while, his dog started doing circles and yipping and going crazy, so he had to stop the recording. And he goes back and listens to it, and right before the dog starts going crazy there's this male voice speaking in norwegian talking about the difference between daytime bird songs and nocturnal bird songs wow so he did what many scholarly person would do and he contacted every radio station in scandinavia which there was only a handful of them in the 50s and none of them had a program on bird songs so he tried to continue to record and eventually got an EVP from his mother, and he developed the methodology for EVP that was practiced right up until the digital age. Oh, cool. So going back to Frank, um, Frank started the fir- created the first ghost box in 2002. Once he s- created the ghost box, he started to get messages from the other side, not, not only from the other side, but also from aliens. And these messages from aliens told him that he was their purple princess. <laughs> I love that. He was sent by the ship. They were coming to pick him up. He was a diva from the stars, uh, from Pleiades. Um, all this fun stuff. That, that's when I pick up a different hobby. <laughs> <laughs> But he recorded it over and over and over again, uh, these particular phrases. And one of my go-to clips uh, when he died in 2014 of a heart attack, a couple months prior, I recorded all of these same phrases from a box, not only saying that they were trying to reach Frank, but he was also going up next and he was soon to depart. And they also said Diva, Purple Princess, Pleiades, sent by the ship, all this crazy stuff. So it was kind of a forewarning of his untimely demise. And didn't Frank know? Like, didn't, wasn't he getting messages too about that, like, hey, we're coming for you? Or- oh, yeah. He got messages saying that Marduk was coming to pick him up. Marduk. That's like, yeah. a, like a Middle Eastern, like, un, like it was deity un- or something. It was under uh, Zechariah uh, Sechen's work, is okay. where he was mentioned okay. quite a lot. That's trippy. When, when, when you hear things, when, when people would do these recordings that, okay, you have EVP, let's say, on this planet, Earth, mm-hmm. and then the ones that recordings people are getting that maybe come from another another planet, wherever, is there something that makes them sound different, or is it just in the message that's conveyed? Like, we are from planet, ha, ha, and that's, you know, that's it, then you know. Or is there a, is there a tonal difference? Is there a sound quality difference in those kind of, like, messages? The 
communications that I've heard that I think are ET in origin are completely different than the standard EVP or ITC communication. It sounds like thought made into tones blended Ooh. together to wah, make words. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's just very robotic sounding, which is not something you typically get in standard ITC communications. Oh, that's interesting. That's creepy. Well, it's creepy cool. Well, Keel would get uh, some of those. Uh, he, he would get all kinds of bizarre phone calls, and, and other people that were having experiences oftentimes would get sort of a a robotic kind of noise. I don't know if there's any connection at all, but uh, the voices would be uh, sound like they're in a in a hollow hallway and be very robotic or mechanical i guess i should say remember that guy that was following keel around in the beginning of the mothman prophecies that would was like talking like very robotic like the, yeah, and, they would and i were just talking about that yeah yeah, yeah he, he was one of the uh, under the broad uh, category of men in black uh he uh went into mary hire's office mary hire was the reporter a colleague <laughs> of john keel that uh, lived in point pleasant and uh yes very very strange gentleman now you know he could have been just a strange strange dude because uh this realm does attract those kinds of people yeah. uh, along with the normal people like the ones sitting here at the table yeah, right right but, in air uh, quotes normal but yeah we just had a uh, we uh, marty and i just had a fascinating conversation about that earlier which is not on tape unfortunately <laughs> well but i but i could say to you the name steve yeah my visitor. Oh, yep. And she'll know exactly who I'm yep, talking about. Yep, yep, yep. Because I called her immediately after that had happened. And then, I mean, to follow up with... A Are you talking about the creeper one that <clears throat> laid on the bed? Well, there, yeah, there's a couple wait, of wait. those. Marty, okay, wait. I know well, you no, guys are just I know, okay. No, no, no. Story, Marty right. used to work yeah. at a mattress store, and I think she needs to tell the story about this dude coming in one night that was the one that just, like, was creepy. Super robotic. Yes. Her speech was broken. Yes. And, like, this yeah. was creepy. And, and I was nowhere near there. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't our Steve. It wasn't our Steve. But you had a His number of... name was... Steve. Yeah. You had a <laughs> yeah. number of interesting things happen to you while working at this store that were completely unexpected, but this one was creepy, especially well, given that another customer had come in and there was sort of a, a reaction. I don't know. You tell the story because it's wild. You know, I, part of this, too, is uh, these things happen to start occurring, and I, I want to say this because then there's it, it opens the door for a variety of explanations, but... In that store, I was there by myself for, you know, 10, 11-hour days. I think at that time I was working 11 hours. Yeah. And uh, so I had a lot of time if we were you – know, it's not like, you know, a department store where you get massive yeah. amounts of people who are shopping for mattresses, you know. Yeah. So some days, you know, if I had 10 couples, that's majorly busy because they take up, you know, an hour or two of your time. And some days, nobody. And you, I might go two, three days like that. Amber and I had gotten into reading a lot more of, you know, um, Tom DeLong stuff. When Tom DeLong was really getting into this stuff for coming out and doing his podcast and writing books. Yeah. His first yeah, books like, were coming we're, out. We're kind of late in the UFO game. Yeah, we really, we and really so, are. I mean, honestly, it, I've been into this for a while, but even though I have my opinions and I've shared them on the show, like, when all of a sudden you hear about Tom DeLong, what? TTSA? To the Stars Academy? He's going to bring it? He's going to do disclosure? What? And it really did. If, if, if Say what you want about that whole Tom, which we could all, like, throw our opinions in later. Yeah. Um, 
But I think it did get a lot of people that weren't interested all of a sudden interested. So if, if it did anything good, there is that. Because if, if you're like me, I want to go back and you too, Marnie. And all of a sudden, like, I want the history. And then you meet people like Steve here that's like, I am a textbook of UFO history. And then you're like, ah, I want to know it all. And it is so hard. It is like the longest ongoing soap opera in the world. It is like so tricky. So, yeah, we were kind of immersing ourselves in like a lot of UFO lore and literature and a a variety. I mean, it was coming from everywhere. So on downtime, you know, I would sit and I'd have a new book and I'd read and then I'd watch YouTube videos and Whenever anything weird happened, Amber was my go-to to tell because I can't really tell everybody else. And uh, so it just so happened that it was in a short period of time where I started to get this influx of strange experiences and people coming into my store that would blatantly say something really weird that had everything to do with us. But this sometimes it was just odd behavior that made you go, what the heck? And this particular night, it was into the evening, um, had been quiet all day, and this short man walked in, and he walked in kind of funny. Of course, nobody listening can see me, you know, showing any mannerisms, but he came in very stiff-like, but kind of swaying, and then, so I'm thinking, hey, he's drunk, or he's on drugs, whatever. It could be a variety of things. But he... um my protocol there is to do this little body test to see what kind of, you know, do they need a firm? Do they need a, you know, lighter support? Whatever. So I got done with it. He was agreeable to it, but every time I ask him a question, he was very robotic in his responses. And his speech was, you know, I, I used to be a therapist, a speech therapist. I know stutters, but this wasn't your a stutter like a typical stutter would be. But it's more of a, uh, all these stops in his speech. And and very flat affect, um, looked directly at me, but turn his head and real jerky, weird. So I get him done with that and I'm thinking, God, this guy's a little flaky and this is a little weird to be here alone with him. <clears throat> Next up here, try this mattress. Go ahead, give it a try, you know. I watched him climb up with these really weird movements onto the bed and as soon as he laid down he was in full REM sleep I watched his eyes flutter he was gone and so then I was trying to wake him up and he told me his name is Steve <laughs> and I can do that too I, <laughs> I thought wow so I, I, I would Steve Steve because then I get worried is he okay is he ill Does he have, do I need to call an ambulance what the heck so my natural protocol in those stores, because I'm there alone, is to go back to my desk, notify another person in another store something's going on. So I sent one of the girls a text and said, I have an, I have an odd one here. Just want to let you know. She offered to call the store if I need it. Um, and she goes, oh, he's just in REM. He'll be out of it in 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm looking at something different here. So I go back, and I kept saying his name. He wasn't budging. I start to get really scared. Something about him made me really scared. And just as I was backing towards the door to yell his name because I didn't know what he was going to do, a car come flying up into the parking lot and parked. And this girl comes in, nose ring, and she's just like, dude, everything. And she goes, yeah, I'm here to buy a mattress protector. Okay, (laughs) come on in. (laughs) 
and I'm looking at her and I'm Don't looking at him. Steve on the bed. And I'm like trying to shift my eyes, like read my read my body language yeah. here. So anyway, we get back towards the she gets her mattress protector and we're sitting at the desk. And finally, I never would put a customer in a predicament that was I mean, I'd rather have them leave normally and just let me but I just started mouthing, I'm not comfortable and I shot my head this way and she totally just rolled with it, nodded her head, and started striking up conversation. Come to find out she had been a neighbor of mine for many years that I had never met. Young girl, same age as my son, starts telling me all about her store. We have all these synchronicities coming up in her conversation, and I'm just like, this is getting weirder by the second. And uh, finally, I look over, and there's Steve, arms hanging, head kind of like this, and he goes, I'm going to go now, Marnie. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> he turned around, like, have a great night. See ya. You know, and he takes off. But um, Did you see him t- tomorrow? He never did come back. Imagine that. Um, I was busy. <laughs> the girl broke into tears after he walked out the door, and she said, I, I said, are you okay? I'm sorry I scared you. And she goes, no, I was driving home from my mom's, and a voice said to me, you need to go to the mattress store and buy a mattress protector. And she kept driving, and then it got louder and said, you have to go now. So she drove out to the store and walked in right at that time. I have no idea. Can't answer what it, you know what it was about Steve. He never did come back. It was very unnerving. <laughs> His mannerisms, his talk, but that girl too, who now we we have since we've connected, and once in a great while I connect but, with but her. But you know, you have to say that uh, I mean, people have those kinds of experiences. The implication is that you may have been in some kind of danger, and that's why she wouldn't have been sent there if it was just some kind of weirdo that was going to end up leaving without any problem. That's absolutely true. Uh, but I'm looking at him thinking he moves really slow, really jerky. <laughs> his, you know, I, I felt like I could outrun him, but I but I have never seen anything like that. You know, I've never interacted with anything like that. And I've had a lot of experiences working with a variety of people, whether mentally ill or um, brain injuries, where they have flat affects and speech is broken. This was different. And, you know, I'm, I'm a good feeler of energy so it's you know but i still doubt myself you know i will doubt everything that's the way i am and i will question everything but then to have a random person i've never met who happened to live down the street from me for many years yeah just show up just show up and say and she was bawling yeah and to have that kind of a um response too i think to just start crying and then be like i didn't even why am i coming here you know yeah she just she gave me this huge saturday night wasn't it a saturday night I don't remember what night of the Seems week like it was. It was a weekend night too, and she was like, "I gotta go get a mattress protector." Just what she and you know the the girl the young she was a young girl a single mother not a lot of money and in my store you buy a mattress protector you're not talking about a ten twenty dollar deal. She bought a hundred dollar mattress protector, and and she was and I and I felt horrible so I felt like I had to do something for her, but she almost fell into me when that guy walked out the door like she grabbed me and just started bawling, and. Uh, and then she sat for a while talking to me, but um, very interesting. I, have, I had a few other encounters, like I said, in that store that all centered around the same period of time. Mattress store terrorism. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I had some really... History at the mattress store. Did I not have Mysteries some really cool ones? You did. You know, yeah, I, it was weird. It's like a... The case of the missing mattress tag. To be Keely, it's like a window area. Like, I swear to God, she was working in, the, in like some little 
but it was very much portal direct, of oddness. But it but it wasn't random stuff about you know just random happenings. They were very much directed toward. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like you just didn't see so, like chupacabra run by one day, and you're like, whoa, that was in the woods. Yeah, like <laughs> that. Yeah, it wasn't in front of the mattress store. Uh, nobody yeah. can see this, but Tim and I just looked at each other like, "What the?" <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just laughing about my <laughs> encounter in the woods that I told you about. And no, well, you, I mean, wait, did you see a chupacabra? No. Oh, I was no, like, wait, it, I don't know this story. No, I was just laughing. Okay, I was just joking. When you, I mean, you, you said something a second ago that these experiences you've had in the mattress store. In the mattress store. In the mattress. Store. In the bedding store. In another dimension. <laughs> in a mattress store. <laughs> Uh, you said they were directed at you, like that. They, 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 these were just because, yeah, weird stuff can just happen when you're in public all day long, and that's what you do for a living. You're gonna you're gonna see weirdness. I mean, yeah, you're just absolutely. gonna see weird stuff happen. People do do weird things. People are weird. But you said that these were more directed toward that. These were directed towards you. Like these were things that were happening to you directly. Yes, correct? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because <clears throat> I mean, one thing I was thinking about as you were talking about that, and you even mentioned that. I'm curious if we have this with people like where we are right now. It's it's very easy to just go on the big Y, let's say, right, and type in people flipping out or people acting weird because I do, <laughs> and, and um, you you're, you you'll have thousands of videos you can watch of people just completely losing mm-hmm. their shit in public or. You know, being complete asshole customers to people, to, to people working somewhere. I mean, you name it, it's all out there, mm-hmm. right? Um, I wonder if there's an increase of that now. Are, are we are we as people getting more? Are we just flipping out more? Are we just acting more erratic? Are we, or is it just because we have things like social media yeah. and we can, we we we're, it's just being amplified? A yeah, lot more. I think that's it. I think it's we have access to anything, any news at any given time. I agree. And like it, back in, when you go back and do your research, you read your history. Everyone was just as batshit then as they are now. And you know, I, I don't think human nature has changed much. It's just we've. We're bigger population, and we can share information faster. Have you ever been on the other side of that, though? In what way? Well, this is something I've thought about because I know I have. We, well, Marty, for example, you had some person just come in there and act very strange. Yes, lay on the bed, right? And I'm not defending this person; that's really weird, right? But I would like to know what his story was. I would well, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to I know what I want to know what what got him there. Maybe maybe he's a cool dude. He, you no, know, he, there was well, I can no. I can tell you he wasn't cool. But uh, well, how how do you know that? That you thing that's vibe, built right? into your human system that tells you danger will work. So it, it was it was Scott, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. Scott, I can never answer how I know. and I'm not challenging you. No. but I'm just saying like okay, fine. I get it's a vibe because I get him too, right? But my, my whole thing with that, though, too, just kind of looking at the more, I guess, the, the upper level of that is, because I know I've probably been that person. I've walked into some place, and I yeah. was awkward, and I, because I, hey, look, you know what, I, I still have my social anxieties. I still have my issues that I still deal with to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know 
I'm not, I'm not at the other side of that. I know next week I may walk in somewhere and I'll say something stupid to somebody, miscue myself, and totally throw myself off balance. And then I'm going to be that freaking weird guy that, that, that the rest of the staff of wherever I'm at are going to be talking about for the rest of the night going, that guy was a total idiot. What was they'll, they'll be on the radio talking about that weird guy it's, named Scott. Yeah, yeah. This, this particular incident, and, and any of my incidents, yeah, I am yeah. very willing to say I have no flipping idea, but it was odd. And... and and very odd for what's normal out there as far as weirdness goes. Yeah, yeah. This particular person could have, there could have been a variety of things. Maybe he was on drugs. Maybe yeah, he yeah. was mentally ill. Um, I could see how I would attract that. I used to be a therapist, you know. I mean, it, there's kind of a beacon there for people. But he didn't have a true purpose in the store like the hundreds of other customers I've ever had. Yeah. The girls showing up randomly was what kind of gave a confirmation to at least my instinct that something was very wrong. Whether or not he was, this doesn't have to even be some paranormal event no, or, yeah, yeah. or a men in black necessarily. But the reason Steve and I got onto the subject is because I, I was reading Mothman Prophecies and, and then I also have the audiobook, so I was listening to that. And I read that part of the book where he was talking about that, you know, men in black situation. And the, the way the speech was written in there, I'm hearing it the same way. And then when I listened to it on audiobook, I, 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 the hair on my arm stood up and I went, oh, that sounds like that guy that night. And so yeah. that's why I mentioned to see, I have no idea. Even the stuff I've grown up seeing or the things I've experienced or my own things, I don't know. That's why we get into this stuff. That's why we start researching and we start getting to know people. Yeah. I don't have an answer. Well, as you know. No, no, and yeah, I don't think, well, we're not going to have any answers. It's right. just the way it is. Yeah. But as you know, by reading Keel, he felt that certain people were tuned in. They, they either had latent psychic abilities or whatever. The same type of individuals. And he, he hypothesized something he called the, the super spectrum. He's trying to come to some kind of grips with, with what these energies were or what was going on. And But it's certain people are repeaters. Certain people would see UFOs. They would see creatures, cryptids or whatever. And people like me have had virtually nothing happen. The other thing is, he had a catchphrase. He said, ask the experiencer what he or she had for breakfast and what he meant was find out about the individual he found that people that were having abduction experiences or, or close encounters were having all kinds of other experiences a lady i spoke to last year she had a classic missing time uh they saw some kind of triangle go overhead but then in asking all the john keel style questions i found out she had experienced shadow people she they were experiencing electronic problems in the house there was classic haunting phenomena going on both her sons were seeing orbs around the house and then i, I asked the, the the million dollar question i said <clears throat> excuse me I, I know this is uh, going to be a weird question, but have you ever seen anything like a Bigfoot or some kind of a creature you couldn't identify? Because people have those kinds of experiences that have also seen UFOs. And she said, well, no. And then she said, oh, wait a minute. My mother and sister-in-law saw something <clears throat> on the property <laughs> not too long yeah, ago. Yeah. And it was something It was panther-like standing on two legs. Oh, like so, a dog and, man. And when it saw them a little bit. And when it saw them, it took off. Some other family members saw the same thing at a different time. If I hadn't been versed in 
John Keel's approach, I would have been frozen in the 1960s and would have thought, well, I hope you make a breakthrough with that missing time. Right. And, find out. and even that's a weird story, too. Well, yeah. and, and that's that's how Steve and I really connected was because I felt comfortable enough to say, wow, I have a gazillion different things and I feel weird that I have so many different experiences and not just, you know, because pretty yeah. soon you start really thinking you're nuts. And you you asked me those exact same questions before I realized, you know, and right. then you explained why well, you did. Well, last year, Marnie was on my show, The High Strangest Factor, on the Paranormal UK Radio Network, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. which you can see every nice. two weeks, or, yes. as they say in England, every fortnight. But, uh, yes, it was we covered a lot of these strange experiences. And uh, I want to say that I had some really uh, interesting feedback. A lot of people that heard Marnie's show, and you know when you get feedback from one person, it, it represents a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but several people were very impressed with the way Marnie expressed herself and the way that she uh, told her stories, which is no no huge surprise because she is very eloquent and has had radio experience before. But it was uh, it's very important when you know when when we're trying to express these bizarre. Now I I've had like one bizarre thing in my whole life uh but a lot of people are experiencers they're repeaters and it is important to try to uh uh explain them as 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 you know as clear as we can now i think that's important uh tim with what you research what's the weirdest experience you've had see and we're kind of talking about that right now i know you've had a lot of messages come through you've had stuff that you feel is of this world of another world but like is there one defining moment that sticks out since you've been doing this where you were like what the bleep may, may I say one thing I saw Tim speak last year at the Ypsilanti Haunted Fire Museum Fire Station Museum and I had knew very little about the ITC yeah. stuff and afterwards I had to look for my socks because he knocked them off <laughs> <laughs> it was Tim, really truly Tim, excellent. Tim is like a walking textbook when it comes to like, especially the history of everything. Like, I'm always amazed because you can just be like, but this day, this some, day, this day. Like, I'm horrible at numbers. Some, I mean, there's some weird, pardon me, weird shit that oh, yeah. goes on here that's documented. <laughs> yeah. My experiences started long before I was in ITC, actually. I grew up in a haunted house that was built in the 1820s. Um, I remember vividly being 23 years old, living in a cabin in the Santa Cruz Redwoods. I'm out walking my Dalmatian one night, and I look over, and there's a fucking gnome. What? Okay, so you've yeah. seen one of these, too. I saw a gnome. It was about... 50 feet to my right it was the fall it was it was a moonlit night it was clear and i looked away and i looked back and it was, there was just a cat trotting off which just kind of really freaked me out wait do you think like are we talking shapeshifter like i'm turns- thinking so yeah so was this before you got into this you said um at that point i was practicing wicca but okay. it was long before i did itc okay. or anything Whoa. like that <laughs> yeah um when i got into the world of paranormal investigation and itc i you name it i mean i see shadow people daily i see orbs moving daily i see wisps of people daily this the more I get into this, the more I see it every single day. Um, I can look, I can concentrate on the sky, and I'll see twinkles. They just pop in, pop out. Sometimes they're just really bright lights if I'm saying something in my head to them. That's all because of Annie Perrin. I mean, right, I, I learned right. that technique. I don't have to go and sing to the stars, but if you just do a, like a, <laughs> a mind meld with the universe, they will show themselves. I've had a gray show up next to my bed. Okay, wait, back it up. 
because that's the part that creeps me out the most. <laughs> so what 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 was your state of being when this happened? Were you sleeping? Were you awake? Were you no, jolted awake? I was jolted awake, and um, at that particular time, I've had a, a lifetime of back injuries from accidents and whatnot. So I was on medication, so I was sleeping in the guest bedroom because when you're on like muscle relaxers, you can snore, and I didn't want my partner to be kept awake. So I slept in the guest bedroom, and sometime in the middle of the night, I just eyes wide open and I look over and next to the bed is a bookshelf and I see this wispy little gray figure right there looking at the bookshelf and I thought it was my wife mm-hmm. and I was like what are you doing in here and then it just looked at me and disappeared mm-hmm. and uh, since I'm the new house I moved into just over a year ago I have seen uh, one time I was woken up in the middle of the night and I walk out of the bedroom to, and I, I don't know why I walked out of the bedroom. I assume I was going to the bathroom or whatever, but in the backyard, just a huge bright flash and it disappeared right in the backyard. It's, and that's nothing to deal with ITC. With ITC, I turn on a box and have you ever been with me during a session? Yeah, once Marty and I actually both here at Petoskey. Okay. Yeah. Because when I'm doing like individual small sessions, you can actually feel the air grow cold around me as whoever is trying to communicate from the other side encompasses my perimeter. It's really, really freaky when that happens. Well, we had that moment happen that was like totally like what... We were sitting there in Petoskey, Michigan at a paranormal conference in this old Victorian village where they have this conference. And we're in one of these big old halls that were at the time, because this place was a Chautauqua, which is a fancy word for like mm-hmm. a cool place to live and learn and go to lectures and just hang out all summer. <laughs> so they. It's we're actually in this hall. based on religion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, yeah. That, that Bayview community is a religious community. <laughs> but it's based off of the but Chautauqua. It's, Chautauqua communi- is religious too? The Chautauqua community actually started in New York just outside Lilydale. Oh. Uh, so, oh. so there was like this this whole thing where you had spiritualism okay. and you had, I, I can't remember, Episcopalian? I, I can't remember okay. which denomination it is. And then the Chautauqua movement moved over into Michigan and settled in Bayview. And it's the same type of houses oh, in the same small so community. Cool. Sorry so for cool. the aside. No. Oh, that's so we're sitting there though in this like this beautiful little village and we're in one of these big lecture halls and you had set up i think multiple ghost boxes you had a big speaker going and i think there was only like five of us in the room maybe six of us and we're sitting there and i remember the one girl was sitting there and the numbers like all of a sudden like plain as day two five one something like that come through and she just was like <gasps> because some of the other stuff i think that was coming along it was her mm-hmm. what was the story again it was her so her husband who is now a michigan state sheriff yeah he was a navy seal and he lost one of his brothers yes and he felt guilty yes. about it so basically this guy came through gave his it was like his, numbers yeah, for and yeah. yeah his id numbers and gave him all kinds of information like it's not your fault i'm okay yeah. uh called out her husband by yep. name all of that stuff yep. yeah. so we we heard all that and it was so clear and what are the odds that some voice across the void just looks out at this person and you hear that number? Like, no, nah, 
No, that's that can't be a coincidence. That's too wild. Well, that's not just something being pulled in from FM or AM band. Well, like, that's too weird. It's basically you're not pulling anything in from FM or AM band because you're scanning through the channel so damn fast. Yeah. You're on there for less than tenth of a second. So yeah. when you're getting multi-word communications that line up, or you're getting um, phrases and sentences that would span basically the entire width of a radio dial, it's you're drawing from a more cosmic source that is not local. It is, that's why I always say it's um, we're communicating with discarnate consciousness of an unknown origin. The only thing that we know is that it's conscious-derived, that it wants to communicate with us. It can communicate in real time, and we have no idea who the fuck or what <laughs> we're talking with. Yeah. I, I have a question for Tim. Uh, during your presentation... Uh, part of it dealt with, I think, there's, there's been uh, systems where they use television sets Correct. Okay, to communicate. There was a clip you had of two women, and you only see that. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, tell us about that, because this creeped me the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we actually touched on this at the Michigan Paracon. Um, as an aside, I told you guys about the men in black I had at the Paracon, right? No. 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 Oh, I was. Ta- I talked with Redfern and Sprague about it. I don't know if we, maybe, we were all sitting at the table at the UFO con, but I don't, maybe we weren't there at that moment, so you have to repeat. Okay, so... During my presentation, there was a gentleman who showed up wearing a full suit, um, black suit, white shirt, black tie, sat right in the uh, right where the right aisle was. For you guys, it would have been left aisle in front of the stage, and he just stared at me the entire time, writing things down on a clipboard. After my talk, he got up, walked away, and wasn't seen again. You never talked to him. No one. No, no. one. No one. Does he, anyone else remember seeing him? Yeah, there was a photo taken of him that you can just see like his nose. So mm-hmm. he was physically there. Wow. But yeah, he disappeared after my talk. We were in there. The jokes that I said, he never even cracked a smile. He just stared at me nonstop. It was kind of creepy. But uh, at that particular con, what you're talking about is video ITC. Right. And what what you will really like is that images of alien beings have been received through video ITC. Full alien faces. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, mind-blowing. And I'll show you after this, because I, I know I've got them in the cloud. You can check them out. But uh, what you're talking about is a form of ITC, as I mentioned, called video ITC, where what you do is you detune a receiver. So right now, what we have over the airspace is digital signal. So when you're dealing with these old receivers on portable televisions, it's an analog signal. They cannot pick up anything over the airwave. It's not possible. It's digital. So what happens is you hook up a voltage-regulated scan over over all of the channels so it kind of kind of it's kind of like a ghost box only instead of scanning audio you're scanning all the video channels and the image that you saw was a one second clip during a four well it was a one frame clip during a 14 second session right i know you had to slow it down had to go frame by frame by frame and yeah it was a woman and her daughter who just popped in for one frame and were gone but they it's like they were aware They were. They were being seen. It was, because right after that, through the audio side of the ghost box, and 
it just cracks me up because to this day, it is the only time I've ever recorded an abbreviation. It said, OMG, we got taped <laughs> right at the moment that they were seen. And that's like, I mean, no, it, I, it's, it's, I'm very I'm very skeptical about a lot of this. Not don't know where it comes from. But yeah, he's, he, he got that frame. You can see these two women there. And it's like. We saw, you know, we saw them from the other side. What the, what the hell are they doing there? How did they know that we they were being seen? Well, yeah. What, what's and, do and they the have a TV that, over like there? Saying OMG is so like modern. Yes, it's yes. not like something well, everything from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. You know, it's it's like makes me think of almost like parallel dimensions. At, you know, at least I didn't say WTF. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. But that was that was mind blowing to see that. I mean, that well, you can go. You don't even have to go with technology like that. You can go real old school and still get images. Um, are you familiar with scrying, Steve? Yes. Uh, well, basically, I've never done it though. Okay, scrying is an ancient technique. Um, you can think of uh, like John D, for example. Right. John okay. John D got his images through scrying. Think of Nostradamus. So Nostradamus, with all of his predictions, he meditated, grabbed a bowl of water, put a candle in the room, and took some mushrooms and just meditated. And that's how he got all of his predictions. Uh, and the I didn't know he was tripping balls. He was tripping. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? No. Cool. No, I didn't know. He I did never really followed Nostradamus that much. I, I you know? thought he was. Uh, well, was he? But he, was was he also an astrologer? I believe so. Yeah, okay. um, but in the modern day, we can take a like this tasty beverage here. If you filled this up to the top, sat there and just agitated it with a little bit of light and filmed it and went frame by frame, chances are you're going to find an image. When I'm at the uh, at the brew house, I've got hundreds of gallons of beer steaming in front of me. I snap photos of the steam all the time and watch faces appear. These are all different forms of ITC that you can do today. And the cool thing is, we've because your wheelhouse aliens, we've got it through video. We've got it through steam. We've got them through water. Um, they're popping up everywhere to, to show us that they are here and they're trying to communicate. Just another, uh, another example of how all these different things we think are separate areas when we examine them the lines begin to blur i remember rosemary ellen guiley telling me that she and some other researchers were at waverly hill sanatorium and uh there of course you're in the dark there you don't use any lights and i forget who the gentleman she was with but he said something like rosemary do you see what i see and she said yeah i think it's a gray they saw a gray alien standing in the shadows at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. What the hell is a gray alien doing in a sanatorium that's been abandoned for God knows how long? Good question. Yeah, that's yeah. Then it becomes you know the broader question as to you know why are they here? Why are they visiting? Are they part of this Earth as they've always been, just in a different phase? Are they actual outside terrestrial visitors? So there's a whole lot of you know. Uh, I, Hypotheses that have been thrown around. The question that I have, though, within regards to what you were just talking about, Tim, why, I mean, I mean, let's assume for a second that there are celestial beings, I mean, balls of energy, whatever we want to call them. Um, they're out there, and they're trying to show themselves to us in all these different forms. Well... The first, I guess, one question I'm going to have is, 
why can't they just come out and say, just show up and say, hey, just want to say hi. Well, you know, I'm cool. Did you ever think that not everyone may be able to see them? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm the... If you if I if we were standing if we were both standing over a vat of steaming beer, <laughs> right? Does beer steam? Oh, when you're boiling well, it, yeah. You do you have to yeah, boil yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, well, if we were both standing over a vat of steaming beer, we would both see different things. I'm sure we would have different perceptions of what we were seeing, and you may see something, or I may see something, and it, it just I mean I don't know, right? My thing is what I was really thinking about with that is I wonder if there are different mediums. Or materials, I mean anything really, that are more conducive for someone to try to communicate through. Well, what it, what it comes down to, it's kind of like ITC with audio. With ITC with audio, we're using stochastic resonance. Basically, we're using a carrier wave and a bunch of background sounds to allow communication to come through at a, at a volume that we're able to hear it through our devices. That's been the predominant theory of... Um, EVP forever, and I translated that into ghost boxes with the generated um, white noise we have in the background. Yeah. Now, if that goes for just audio ITC, now think of all the visual images we're getting. Audio is a very small part of the EMF spectrum. Yeah. Now, what happens when we have a spirit a spirit or a gray or a cryptid whose visual wavelength somehow interacts with the visual emf noise we have out in the world and for that one minute it's just it's the frequencies match up to the point where it becomes loud enough to cross the threshold so we can see it in our physical realm yeah that's my pet theory on ghosts, on a lot of trans-dimensional beings. It's just that one moment where the frequencies line up so our eyes can well, take it in. Well, I say, it has to be an orchestration. It does. It has to be an aligning of the planets for this to happen. I think that's... And I think that's... Well, that's interesting. I was going to say it just. Wait, I was going to say that's interesting, but just because of how much we can't, how many spectrums of everything, like light out there that we know exists but we can't see, ultraviolet, X-ray, like whatever's beyond all of that. There's things existing. I mean, right behind us, there's black light, you know, doing its thing, ultraviolet, and I, I don't know. So, like, if things are existing on those different types of wave spectrums. Or like even how animals can hear things well, well, in different like let's take areas. a look, take a, okay you mentioned it earlier let's take a look at TTC, TTSA yeah 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 okay so we know these three videos just dropped like a bomb in December sure. 2017 yeah all three of them guess what before those bef when those videos were taken they changed the satellite the uh, excuse me the uh, radar systems in these super hornets to a new Raytheon system that read different wavelengths and all of a sudden these things started showing up well like they were always there then it's quite possible these say all everything that you're seeing there were were all on radar and they were um, both from the ship and from the plane perspective I I'm not sure but I don't think anyone saw them physically I think it was all through radar Wow that's interesting I may be wrong on that point but I know all of the stuff that you saw was new radar systems that'd be interesting though if there were if you could even collect a data set of statistics showing an increase in radar response to you know uaps ufos when they switch to this different 
radar system. Well, that's exactly when it happened. And they're starting to retrofit other F-18s and other things that we have in our Navy system now with that same new radar detection system through Raytheon. I, I just interviewed a lady named Sherilyn Carter who had an encounter very much with, uh, she was with somebody else, but it was as if a Bigfoot walked in between them. I mean, they, they had the smell, they heard everything. It was just as if it was there, but there was nothing visible. And I've, I've heard several cases like that. So it, it may, this may go to, uh, well, Keel used to talk about the, uh, the super spectrum and, uh, you know, that, that some of these things are simply not uh, uh, able to be seen by the naked eye for whatever yeah, reason. like it's just not going to be possible. Like we have to come up with some different device or use something like a Frank's box to communicate. To, to, it's I don't like, think it's that easy, though. No, well, but we're working on it. I feel like we're working on we're, it. We're in the baby ages. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. the Frank's, first Frank's box was 2002. Yeah, that's yeah. not that long ago. And, and, and Tim, when you were talking about communication with the other side, um, I know you've referenced that like you have a conductor on the other side. Like there's a team of people over there like trying to help us bridge like, okay, let's let's help them. But they got to be maybe working on their technology on that end as well, I would almost assume. I don't know. What's your thought on that? Well, that's been reported um, through the work of the fish box. It's also been reported through the work of Mark Macy. What's the fish box? Uh, Jules and Maggie Harsh Fishbach. They were... Uh, Luxembourg, there or yeah, Luxembourg. Very early, I and I or very early ITC group. Okay, um, that Mark Macy was a part oh, of. Okay, um, in the eighties, but uh, just got derailed. That <laughs> <laughs> happens to me often. We were talking about technology on the other side. Oh, technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it's been reported that. On the other side, we've got a bunch of EVP progenitors and ITC progenitors who've passed on. So they have reported that they're working on equipment to interface with our equipment. And you can go back even further to like Suzanne Max Getting in 1936, where she said that uh, the... I'm paraphrasing here, but the communication from the other side are like waves that to be able to be made into sounds audible, a system needs to be developed to which the the sounds can be made audible. And they're working on it in terrestrial worlds, which is our world, and supra-terrestrial world, which is their world. And this was recorded like 23 years before the first DVP. I mean, she got this through transmediumship. This was a spirit okay. coming through okay. her. I'm sorry, I didn't make that clear at the beginning. But yeah, this has been predicted going, going back almost a century at this particular point wow. in time. So they are working on the other side. I know Frank, for example, he said up and down, I'm never coming through, I'm never going to talk to anybody, blah, blah, blah. He came through my box the next day. Uh, Were you able to record those? Yeah. Wow. I, said, um, I got them through a box, and I also got them through uh, a couple applications. And one application was a week after he died, and it still uh, got me a little bit. It says purple is with his son because his son predeceased him. Okay. And I sent that to his uh, widow, and it really impacted her. 
Um, so yeah, we know they're working on the other side as well. <laughs> Plus, not only are they working on machinery on the other side, they are also trying to implant ideas into our consciousness on this side for us to create better devices to communicate with them. Uh, this is something that's been going on not only in ITC, but most of mankind's greatest yeah, achievements. Yeah, exactly. It's a download. Like all of a sudden, boom, ding, all of a sudden you have an idea, you hear a song, you hear, have an, you know, just an invention, whatever, and then boom, like my, there it is. My favorite's Nikola Tesla yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with free energy. He's yep. walking down a beach in New Jersey, boom, in his head, he falls to his hands and knees and draws it in the sand so we won't forget it. It's, uh, we get these images like the first Frank's box came to him in a dream. Do you think, as far as that's concerned, I mean, and that's very interesting to think about that, these ideas, divine inspiration, so to say, right? People have these things, and we can't really explain. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, I find anything art, you know, fascinating. You know, I think people neglect, like a, like, a piece of art, like the stuff that's on the wall here. Like, I don't think people really, they take for granted the idea that, you know, when someone creates a piece of art, whether it's good or bad, I don't care. It don't matter. That's something coming from someone's mind. They're projecting onto a piece of paper, right? And then it goes to the next level where people <coughs> have some kind of inspiration uh, and they build a system. They engineer something. They engineer a very complicated piece of machinery that's going to do a job, right? Uh, and they, maybe it isn't just one person. Maybe it's a team of people, right? I've always found that idea for someone to like like Tesla, for example, to understand something that's not even... Re he understood something that could work before it was ever here. And I know that sounds, you know, not... I don't think it sounds too profound, but it's profound to me. It's a seeding of ideas. It's something that, it's something that was never really here. And for someone to actually have that understanding, they go, look, I know it's going to work. Here's why. And I'll prove it to you. And they and they take that time and they lab it out. And fine, here we go. Now we have what we have. Uh, I think the idea, just in, in and of itself, of someone being able to understand something that isn't even here yet and know that it's going to work, that's a sign of a genius. Oh, it truly is. Yeah. I notice they keep missing me for all these great, uh, profound ideas. Same <laughs> <laughs> here. here. We're uh, warding you off. <laughs> but it's interesting. Another another person that had a dream and created one of these, uh, at least a schematic, is uh, Richard Shaver, the infamous uh, Richard Shaver of the Darrow mystery. Uh, said he was uh, oh, yeah. imprisoned by the evil Darrow for seven years in the caverns and so forth. Which, what, who were the Darrow? Were they like evil aliens from another uh, planet, or uh, what were they? Darrow meant detrimental robot, but oh. uh, not literally a robot. They were. Uh, under the, I'm trying to remember, they were, uh, it went back to the ancient race of the Titans or whatever, but because of the exposure to the sun's rays and the, uh, they created these machines, this, the, that, uh, these vast machines that could control everything and the radiation or something leaked from there and they made them into these really hideous creatures but there are also the tarot which are the good guys that haven't been so hideously deformed and they're the ones trying to help us but the it's sort of a of a modern day devil theory they have these uh these beams these rays they could send out and uh all kinds of disasters and everything richard shaver blamed on the darrow and he did seem to be it was really it's really weird he did really seem to be tapped into something almost like channeling but uh 
I don't think he was. In fact, he uh, his first contact with these beings, he started hearing voices whenever he keyed up his welding gun in some kind of an auto plant, literally about six miles from where I was born. Back in, uh, I, I was uh, born in the same city that John Tinney lives in now. Ah, Royal Oak. Okay. Royal Oak. Yeah. Okay. Was one of these back when they used to have these little uh, community hospitals, Royal Oak General yeah. Hospital. Long gone. They figured after I was born, they could just close up and go home, <laughs> go out on a high note. But uh, yes, he, so he, it was just when he was keying up his welding gun, he was hearing these voices. And uh, he got uh, hooked up with, it's a, a long story, but he got hooked up with Richard Shaver. He sent a letter to Richard Shaver, who then was, was, a, he was a big UFO guy for a while. But he was publishing... Uh, uh, amazing Stories yeah, pulp magazine yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. late 40s. Yep. And he started writing these, uh, taking the stories of Shaver and punching them up a bit and saying that it's that they're actually real. And boy, it really touched a nerve, it's, man. There did were, it skyrocket their publication? Like all of a sudden everyone wanted to read the Shaver mysteries? Like, yes, it absolutely. Just went they sold thousands and thousands. They, uh, it was uh, in the... Uh, 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 in the wake of the war when there was still a paper shortage. And so they would steal paper was from other publications. Was this post-World War II? Yes. Okay. Yeah, about uh, mid-40s is about the time it okay. it started. But uh, anyway, it, it is fascinating. There's one one interesting thing about it. Uh, Palmer decided to check it out. He went to when Palmer, when uh, Shaver was living in... Uh, 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 Pennsylvania. He went there to check it out because he, he claimed he was literally held prisoner by these creatures. And there's a classic clip on the, the old Faded Discs archive and on the internet where you can hear Richard Shaver and, and Ray Palmer being interviewed on the old Long John Nebel show. Oh, and, yeah. And it's by radio phone where you hear the yeah, beep every yep. once in a while. And uh, it's just crazy stuff. But uh, uh, Shaver... Uh, uh, so, so Palmer goes to visit Shaver, and that night when he goes to sleep, Palmer claims he starts hearing these voices. And of course, the late the next next morning, he went to check out if there were any speakers or whatever, and he couldn't find any. But he heard these about like four or five different people having a conversation, and they were talking about how this woman was supposed to have been horribly murdered. Well, it happened four miles away and four miles beneath the earth. What? And, and so Palmer interjects himself it, this is late at night it, there's nobody else he's got an he's got his room is adjoining to the shavers the way that it's set up but nobody's stirring over there and uh so palmer interjects himself in this weird conversation that's coming out of nowhere and uh some one of the one of the voices says don't listen to him he's an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so in later years palmer admitted that the voices were actually coming from Shaver while he was sleeping. And Richard Toronto, who did a lot of, who did a great book called The War, uh, the war against Lemuria or whatever, who does kind of, it's kind of a bio on Shaver and Palmer and the entire Shaver mystery. And he, he used to do a, a fanzine for years. This stuff is just crazy fun. And uh, much later, they, Palmer and Shaver were living next to each other in Wisconsin when Shaver had his own, I mean, uh, Palmer had his own publishing arm. And so during one of the holidays, Shaver had fallen asleep on the couch, and she told Richard Toronto that these voices were coming from him when he was sleeping. Something, I mean, it sounded, I mean, ever hear the tape of something, somebody that's supposed to be possessed by demons? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. It seems like Shaver was <coughs> tapped into some source of information, not necessarily real or objectively true information, but I don't think he was just or of a, this planet. Know, lying Maybe or making something stuff else. Up. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's just a bizarre 
chapter. Oh, but, what, but, 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 the, uh, but he came up with a, he had a dream like Frank, Frank, Frank Sumption did, of some kind of a device, a schematic for a device, to contact the space people or the under-Earth people. Did he ever build it? That I don't know. I wonder if the plans exist anywhere. Uh, yeah, I've got, uh, well, actually, uh, John Tinney found them. Oh, of now, course. I, I found another set of plans by a guy that wrote into Ray Palmer when Ray Palmer was resurrecting the Shaver mystery in a series called The Hidden World, about 16 volumes. In one of those, this guy, uh, I don't know where he got it from. He might have had a dream, but he sends uh, this schematic into Ray Palmer, which he reprinted, and he also claimed the same thing, the same kind of thing that Tim was talking about so uh, and, and I know even as we speak uh, John Tenney has been trying to get somebody to build this thing using old parts Tenney was talking to you about so that right he's I talked think, to me about yep. it for the last three years yep. I remember we were at Nine forward. Rouge Parade yeah. and I well, remember he's having trouble with a, there was a guy that uh, that looked at the schematic and said well we can we can finally find the parts but I won't I won't charge you I won't build it build it because it's not going to work and John well, says <laughs> I don't I don't care if it doesn't work yeah, I want you to build it exactly build it. Says, nope I'm sorry it's the wrong kind of vacuum tubes it won't work and this guy is old school doesn't want to charge somebody for money for something that isn't going to work you know, obviously he doesn't know John Tenney and that he'll pay we good gotta, money we can find someone to do this I oh swear. I've got a guy you got a guy I've got a guy he I mean, works with tubes all the time there you go just stick him in it doesn't matter if it works just I would follow I would love to have one of these babies I think I, I guess unless voices from the uh, inner earth people start coming through there uh, I'd, be like, so, I'd be thrilled when you were talking about the voices while sleeping, it reminded me of the long line of sleeping prophets we've had around the world. Yeah. Um, sleeping prophets exactly, have gone, exactly. they've Edgar gone through, Casey. well, long before Edgar Casey, <laughs> yeah. there were medical prophets and there were uh, future-seeing prophets. It's something that goes back a couple hundred years, at least just in American lore, not, not even the rest of the world. So, uh, yeah, we get... I often think that when we're in a sleep state, our consciousness is divorced from our physical body. Yeah. And when you are at that particular state, you're capable of roaming in the astral realm or wherever you are, but also other entities can use your particular body. Yeah. Um, same way they do with mediumship, uh, automatic writing, Ouija boards, possibly. Yeah. Um, Basically, we're a skin suit. We're a receiver for consciousness. And what he may have been is just that receiver during a sleeping state so another person can, so another entity can come through to communicate the information that needed to be known at that particular point in time by the world. Would that make sleep dangerous then? It what can are, what be. are nefarious spirits? Entities. Lucid dreaming. Has anyone here ever experienced it? Oh, yeah. It? I yes. love it. Yes. Freaky. It is. Freaky. I have tried to do like remote, remote viewing experiments with it. When I, the few times I would catch myself uh, lucid dreaming, I would have a command ready. And every time I did it, I would, everything would be dark, and I would feel like I'd have this, the illusion of movement. I would travel this long distance, and then I would stop, and I would see something. Now, this could just be bubbling up out of my subconscious, but it, it's, you know, uh, like one time I, uh, uh, you know, was it Lake Vostok that's supposed to be buried underneath the, uh, yeah. the ice? Mm -hmm. That was my command. And so, everything's dark, I'm just this long, I don't see a tunnel or anything, I just have this illusion of movement. And then I, I'm in this giant cavern, and I'm looking down, and you can see there's water down there but because there's some kind of a source of light. I'm moving from left to right. It's very clear, 
and then it just fades out. Now, that could easily be, I, I've done a lot, I even saw a lizard man one time. <laughs> but I, I think I know where that came from. I think I know the elements that, it, that fed my subconscious okay. or whatever. But uh, it's, uh, now I haven't been able to do this for a while, but uh, it the same kind of pattern. But I've, I've never been, I've never done anything that I could check, you know, like uh, the city square or, 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 or something where right. I could go and see. Because that's no fun. I want to go to Mars. I well, want to see lizard right. people inside the Earth. Well, that's, you know. that's, <laughs> the whole po- that's the whole point of remote viewing, though. Exactly. Is you need to do coordinate remote viewing where you've got somebody giving you the commands that right. knows the location. Otherwise, it can just be mind babble. Right. Yes. And I enjoy the mind babble. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> it's The few times I've tried to experiment with it, I, I sort of like what Scott saying that being dangerous. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like I was ever in any danger, but I... I think mentally it messes with you because I was trying to do the trigger. Like, if I wait, when I see an apple, I'll know I'm in the sleep state. And I I never had a trigger, but things would start happening where I was never... You know how, like, in a lot of dreams, I think people, when they initially have a movement dream and they're just, like, in sand and you can't move and you can't do things? Well, all of a sudden, in these dreams, I'm, like, whoop, up at the top of the ceiling. And I'm kind of stuck there, but I'm floating, and all of a sudden, everything around my room is moving, and I'm freaked out. Like, this isn't right. This isn't... I wanted to be on a beach, or I wanted to go to Disney World and see what was going on on, like, the Haunted Mansion ride. And, like, I... Meanwhile, I'm just stuck on the ceiling. It's like astral projection, but I'm stuck. And so, I know I could experiment more and try to, I guess, control that better, but it was creepy. I just love the fact that you, you know, you finally get out of body and your first wish is to go to Disneyland. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, it'd be cheaper than really, you know. I can just float around astrally and see like the new Star Wars land and what's going on. One, okay, cool. One time my command was to go to Venus. And I this is after I'd heard uh, Roger Lear talk about how uh, Venus is really populated and we're not, don't really, aren't okay. really showing. Okay, we're hiding and I, it. And I have no idea if it's true or not. But that was my command and my command was to encounter life on Venus or something like that. So I go, it's dark, I have this feeling of movement, and all of a sudden I'm seeing the ocean, but it's very dark and overcast like it would be if we were on Venus. And there's something moving under the water, something living, and it becomes aware of me and starts Ooh, coming toward me. That's a bad And I decided movie. to leave. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I figured, I this may too. be a subconscious fantasy, but I'm out of yep. here. Exit, stage left. Yep, yep, nope. nope. <laughs> you raised another interesting point. Uh, I'm reading a book right now that talks about this very subject, and something you just said uh, prodded that. And and we we're being we're told and you know I'm not trying to spin up conspiracy theories or anything like that but we're we're told that Venus is a place that's you know you can't go to it you you can't live there it's terrible it's horrible as a matter of fact I I know one of the things I read when I was younger but when I was studying the solar system and astronomy was uh, it's not a fact a matter of if you'll die if you were dropped on Venus it's a matter of what'll kill you first. Right, it's it's you will die. They they say it's just that hospital. Like I'm sorry, hostile. Um, how the hell do we know that? Well, there there have been supposedly probes, uh, especially the Russian probes that, but uh, 
uh, were, were reading very high temperatures and then supposedly winked out. I, I think, I know that some landed, and we have some pictures that don't that look kind of uh, inhospitable, kind of like Michigan in the summer. But uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, again, it would have to be quite a quite a a, a, a pretty good conspiracy to be. Well, which, yeah. which isn't impossible, but you know, I don't well, know. What, what it makes me, and we talked about this recently, I think, with somebody else here. I don't remember who, but it, it takes me to this this place of well, yeah, and Venus is pretty far away. We're not exactly going to walk there, right? Uh, but we hear about things all over this planet. We're, we're getting news all the time. And this is something that I'm really interested in. We're getting news all the time. All you do is go on the Devil's website and just look at the ticker, your news feed, and you'll see story after story after story after story, right? Well, this is going on here. It's terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And people, where wars going on that we're being told. And, I mean, I'm always asking myself, like, uh, how do how do I even know this is for real? Like, is there anything really going on? There's a book I'm reading right now where they actually faked a nuclear blast. Like they they this this book I'm reading it they talk about faking a nuclear explosion in a, in a town in America, and people believed it because not everybody's just going to drive there. Who the hell wants to do that? It's too far away. So you just believe what you're being told. And people people fell for that. So we're being, and again, I'm not trying to go, oh my God, we're being denied to. But I'm always going like, how the hell do I really know what's going on around me? Like, how do I know that, that Venus is really a bad place? Venus could be just this lush green place that cherubs fly around on. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. There's no way I really know. Did the Space Brothers come from Venus? Oh, they they had some fun, fun sex yeah. with Venusians. <laughs> oh, and, but see, the thing is, every time there, we get more information, I mean, you know, George Adamski yeah. and Orfeo Angelusian, although uh, they would talk about the beautiful Space Brothers yeah. and, and how cool, but then uh, and, and Frank Strange's, you know, and uh, who is yeah. it? Uh, who's his buddy? Uh, uh, a valiant Thor. Oh, yes. valiant oh, Thor. Yes. Sorry, handsome yes. looking dude with with good hair. Government, you know? good government. Care. And uh, but then they'd say, well, uh, uh, strangers said, well, actually, they come from inside Venus. Okay. Others say, well, no, it's it's Venus at a different vibration. We see it, you know, different dimensional vibrations. So it's all beautiful and utopian. But uh, if you get to the wrong vibe, you're going to burn up like a like a cinder. Oh, what a load of shit. Well, it's closer to the sun. Well, it's just that you have to adjust. You know, the the uh, originally the space brothers came from the solar yeah, system, yeah. and as you know, time goes on, they came from far away, like uh, Indrid Cold, right? Right. Uh, Indrid he was Cold. he was from the the galaxy of Ganymede. Well, Ganymede is actually a a moon of uh, what is it, Jupiter or Saturn? Jupiter. Okay. And uh, so you know, they always have. But it is interesting. You bring up the uh, the space brothers. Uh, it kind of leads us into. Uh, uh, the you know the, the well the contactees uh, there was a lot of channeling going on. Uh, George Van Tassel, yeah. underneath giant rock. Oh man, I would have loved to. Have gone I would love something like that. Giant. Could you imagine going to that now? Like that'd be the that'd be the well, new Bernie people man. People do, but but he used to live underneath giant rock. Do they still do? To, do they still go to that like UFO meetings still happen at Giant the, Rock? Not, not that I know of. Okay. He used to have these vast contactee yeah. gatherings with all the in quotes weirdos. And even John Tinney just republished a book by uh, Buck Nelson. Yes, I you bought know, that. By, oh, you it's did? the yeah, cutest. I but got it. He's the guy, the gentleman whose uh, ears protrude quite a bit and has yeah. a nice uh, flat top haircut. And he and his dog went to Mars. 
it must be true. Who would lie about her right? God, damn it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when you get the channeling stuff, again, when we talk about the way things connect, if you look at George Van Tassel, later on, George Hunt Williamson, he was one of the uh, alleged original witnesses to George Adamski's meeting with Orthon in the desert. Uh, they were supposedly being uh, communicating through radio telegraphy, ham radio. But it turns out that they were probably using that as a literary device, and they were still using Ouija boards, automatic writing, yeah. and channeling. But And then you get, you, you're familiar with the Law of One, Carla Ruckart and Don Elkins, no. uh, the Ra books, no. R-A. Uh, they were channeling uh, Ra, which was sort of some kind of a... Was uh, it the Egyptian god Ra or something well, not, different? Well, no, not exactly. Some kind of highly evolved... Uh, uh, beings, uh, a group of them, and they were being uh, channeled through Carla Ruckart. If you look at all these things, you'll find there are patterns. Now, I don't know where this stuff is coming from. I mean, Ashtar, that guy, that dude gets more face time right. than anybody. Yeah. I don't know if he has a face. <laughs> but uh, there are certain patterns that show up. Some of the same names of the entities of the Space Brothers show up from Van Tassel, uh, jo- George Hunt Williamson, uh, Carla Ruckart. And then there are other themes like... Uh, the uh, the bad aliens come from the Orion group. Good aliens come from the Pleiades. Uh, several of them. These are people that didn't know each other, separated by generations and so forth. Uh, another common thing is the, the the planet that became the asteroid belt, Meldek. Something happened, either a close a, a collision with another body, or due to dark practices like you know Atlantis is supposed to have fallen. Yeah. It becomes a bunch of debris. Uh, so, but the thing point is that people are getting some of the same general messages from perhaps, as John Keel would say, it's that great phonograph in the sky yeah. that keeps repeating itself. People get the, the same messages that they were coming a hundred years ago, like uh, Tim and I were talking about uh, Aleister Crowley and how his encounter with what was kind of like a gray, right, Tim? That was really, because Tim, you were talking about that at the conference as well when I yeah. heard you speak, and that was fascinating, hearing Crowley in conjunction with UFO activity. Yeah, for those that aren't familiar, um, Crowley did a working in Manhattan. It was either in the teens or the early 20s, then the exact year escapes me at this particular moment. And what he wanted to do was facilitate communication with beings uh, in a different realm. So what he during this working, he was able to escape his body and wander through the nether realms. And he came across this being that he called Lamb. And, and Lamb imparted... How did he spell L-A-M-B? Just like the L-A-M. picture? L-A-M. Okay. L-A-M. So he came back and in one of his journals he was publishing at the time he just published this one little image of lamb and it had nothing to do with the article the article was actually against uh madame blavatsky and the theosophists it was against yeah it it was was, really it was a scathing reaction to some of the stuff that she'd said because she basically just brought in everything from eastern religions and then added in some ascended masters yeah yeah different topic entirely but he published this and if you actually google crowley um, and then the word lamb, L-A-M, you will see the image of this particular being. And I asked the crowd, what do you see? And every, everybody unequivocally said, gray. You've got the classic guitar pick head, the big eyes, the slant, no- the slant mouth, the two holes for a nose. Oh, yeah. And the cool thing about that 
is that yeah. oh. <laughs> I'm, we're looking at the photo right now yeah so the the weird thing about that is the image of the gray didn't physically enter our culture until betty and barney hill and that was what 63 yeah well yeah. you know i'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge that a little bit i they, they i don't think they were exactly we got a debate grave. going on amber this is awesome go 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 uh they, they were uh they're almost like <laughs> if if uh if you we, if we made a caricature of ourselves, it was like if they made a caricature of them. It would look more like a gray. It wasn't. They weren't full fledged grays. That I, I would say that. But the oh, grays really didn't show up in mass. Communion. Until, what's that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the the grays didn't really show up in mass. Although you could find them once in a while till about seventy eight mm-hmm. early eighties with the advent of Close Encounters of the Third Kind film yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Whitley This is my, yeah. my opinion here. Now before that. We had all kinds of cool aliens. I mean, people would have essentially the close encounter yeah, of the third kind is, is about is people having these encounters. Well, there was quite a variety, and once in a while you'd find a dude that looked a little bit like a gray. So, but so it was he was uh, Crowley was way ahead of his time. Yeah, for sure. So, but what we were discussing specifically earlier, um, off off show, was that you know if Crowley decided to open up communication with other dimensions and other beings that may be in other dimensions, did this particular working somehow herald in the UFO age? Yeah, because what 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 year was he drawing this lamb photo? It was the early twenties or late teens. I can't remember. Okay, so we got another 20-plus years before Roswell hits. And then then we don't even really have the grays showing up with Roswell. We just have the saucers, right? right? So, like, we don't even have, like, I think we probably, like you just said, have the more creative versions of different aliens out there, probably more we, robots and things. Well, we even have, uh, even with the, the Aztec crash, which happened around the same time, if it even okay. happened, yeah. the, the aliens in there are little small guys. They've got kind of big heads. They're still, uh, you, you could challenge that they're, they're, they're not really full-fledged grays, you know. Uh, there, there is there's this huge variety there are robot like entities there are uh, uh, in dubbed whales you get these seven foot tall silver suited beings in a lot of cases there's so many parallels with with folklore elements of folklore and modern day UFO experiences in some cases if you were to take the entity and take away his little green tunic and red cap and put a little silver suit on him they'll look identical yeah no I agree not, with not that not always but, uh, but but again the gray theme does go way back uh, Jacques Vallée in Passport yeah. to Magonia mm-hmm. quotes a Swedish researcher that talks about the what Swedish elves looked like they had Large bulbous heads and yep. long arms. Yep. I wonder if they had a gray pallor Skinny, as well. Tiny, right? When Tim, when you saw your gnome, do you, now uh, some people listening to the show may have heard John Tenney talk about his gnome sighting, um, <coughs> which was like this sort of I think knee length type creature um, had hooves. I think Tenney's had hooves. Oh, uh, that was an elf. Was yeah, he, called it, oh, he, he called it. He, he called, called it an, an elf, elf because the he? gentleman that introduced him to him, so to speak, does. called it an elf. So did you? See, I mean, when, when, when you saw, was it like your traditional like little red hat and a yes. suit and a beard? Yes. Oh my god, how cute! It's like Baby Yoda. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! God. That's not, that's <laughs> baby Yoda stuff. He saw Baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, Amber, this is serious shit here. We don't, we don't call <laughs> elementals Baby Yodas for crying out loud. Steve, have you seen the new Mandalorian? The new Star Wars show? Have you seen uh, no, Baby I Yoda yet? No, I have not. Oh, my God. Good? Yep, we're going to show you later. Okay. Yeah, we'll we're going to show you Baby Yoda later, because you're going to see the cutest thing that's going to blow your mind. 
Okay. But like I, seriously, I'm a serious well, it's, you know, it, <laughs> to slide off that for a minute. I, I was just a little while ago. We were at dinner. I looked at my. I looked on the Devil's website for a second, and our friend Michelle, who was here recently on yeah. Halloween, Michelle, um, she she could. <laughs> She's a member of the Detroit Film Society, and she's pretty high. She's a brilliant film reviewer. Um, and she basically laid it out. She's like, Disney are absolute geniuses. They, they debuted the Baby Yoda thing right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. And, I, and we were talking about it earlier in the day today. We were talking about, oh, here she goes. Yeah, Is yeah, that right? not adorable, yeah, Steve? That's that's adorable. Yep. <laughs> Baby Yoda. So Yep. And I said the same thing as Amber's like, I can't wait. I want one. I'm like, Disney's gonna be and so And I rich. hope it moves and squeaks and does things. They're gonna be so damn rich. The more so yep. than they are already. Actually, and we don't even know if this is Yoda yet, but anyway, I digress. We're going off. Well, the everybody's topic. calling this calling um, it Baby Yoda. Because yeah, it's a Yoda creature, whatever he was. I don't know. In the Star Wars world, was he ever like uh, we have the internet, let's find out. Was he ever called something like i know his name was yoda but was his race something uh, i'm looking right fred. now of, i think he was originally fred just fred <laughs> i just made that up Yoda's you know okay so while scott's looking that up um race. one of the things too that i had uh um heard recently and i heard nick redfern talk about this was uh, i think it was george adamski being investigated for his russian ties was it george adamski that mm-hmm. yeah uh, he Thanks. was Tim's he was nodding. entertaining. Some of his uh, uh, space brother philosophy was uh, species unknown, dis- disturbingly uh, similar to Marxism. <laughs> you know, so we can't have that kind of crap. You know, yeah, right. But uh, when he was, in, in, you know, he uh, kind of changed his tune when he was. Uh, uh, when they approached him on that, but but most of the the Space Brothers stuff is kind of uh, nebulous, utopian, uh, uh, heavily collectivist, socialist, uh, whatever. Right? Yeah, impractical, just just stuff that can't really work properly. Right. You know, I mean, it doesn't sound like they tax anybody, so it ain't gonna <laughs> work, right? <laughs> no, it's just a world built on love. Right. <laughs> That's right. Ghostly talk. <laughs> Oh. Did you ever